it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Johnny McGonigal, how are you? I'm Bob Flounders. I know you know me. I was introducing myself to the uh, audience. Uh, it is Tuesday after James Franklin's post-Ohio State press conference, Indiana week. I don't know that the fan base really cares about that. We can get to a little bit of news on that front, but Johnny, there are some things you can't unsee in my in life, my friend, and that Ohio State offense against the Buckeyes on Saturday was one of those things, man. It was it was it was pretty uh, brutal, pretty disappointing, and I don't blame any Penn State fans that are upset. Yeah, Bob, it was it was something. It was it was something. Uh, just time after time after time. I mean, even on the muffed punt by Ohio State that Penn State recovers near midfield. Even at that point, I just had no confidence that this offense at that point in the game would do anything with it. And and sure enough, they end up punting from the same spot that they recovered the ball uh, on that drive. I mean, it was just across the, the entire offense. I almost said across the board because it was not an across the board bad performance because Penn State's defense, and we'll talk about it, play, played out of their skin, played their tails off, as James Franklin said, and played like one of the best defenses in the country. But that's unfortunately for Penn State and Penn State fans, not what people are talking about. It's not what people were talking about on Saturday afternoon, on Sunday morning, when you go ahead and, and kind of debrief this game. It was a really brutal offensive performance. And that's why Penn State is sitting here six and one and not seven, seven and out. Yeah, Johnny. And, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's uh, up in arms about the one and nine record that James Franklin has uh, against Ohio State, the one win being in 2016. Uh, the thing that really, really is stuck in my craw, and I'm, I'm not a Penn State fan, is and this was, to me, this was easily um, the, the one Ohio State team that was most beatable in those 10 games. And I still believe that if you look at the talent on both teams, uh, I think Penn State probably has the edge. And for them to play like this against a team that was beatable, I think even makes it I think it makes it the worst. I, I, I really do. You look at those nine games that that Penn State lost with him. You know, I, I think you could make the argument they could they could be five and five against uh, Ohio State. They were had a lead in overtime in 2014. They had double digit leads in in uh, 17 and 18 against this team. Um, and this game, I mean, I just feel like you know uh, this this game was there for the taking. But uh, one and nine is the number. And I don't know if I think I think we've talked about it. I know I talked about it with Dave Jones. They didn't win this game. I'm not sure when. I know they're not going to play him every year, but I'm not sure when they're going to beat Ohio State again. Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of this loss being the worst of the bunch in James Franklin's tenure. You look at 2017 and 2018, both of those games by one point, uh, the fourth and five, the, the defensive collapses in both games. 
you know, they, they held an 11 point lead in one of the games, a 12 point lead in the other game, uh, in the fourth quarter. So those coming out of it, you know, always, you know, I just remember covering those games and the discourse after it, it felt like, oh, maybe a missed window here, but there was always like the butt and the, and the, the silver lining of, Hey, we just won, you know, a big 10 title, you know, a year or two ago, you know, this program is on the up and, and the fact that they're competing with, you know, Ohio State so closely those two years after there was always a silver lining you could pull from it. The only silver lining of this is that Penn State's defense is really good, but the overarching story is that they wasted that defensive performance against Ohio State. Uh, you know, Penn State, you know, just didn't get the ball, you know, you know, running at all on the ground. And, and really when they did early, they just went away from it. This is, it was really an abject disaster by Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator. Uh, Drew Allard did not play well. I mean, he didn't see the field well, but then again, you know, we're sitting there in the press box at Ohio Stadium. We get the kind of the all 22 view and we see how few receivers are creating separation. It's not like Keandre Lambert Smith was wide open all day and Drew couldn't hit him. Uh, it, you know, there were a couple scenarios where Kyle McCord couldn't hit, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And he ultimately still hit him for 11 times, 11 times for 162 yards and a touchdown. So Marvin Harrison got his, uh, like you would expect, but this entire offense just, it, it just had nothing to him. It really had nothing to him. And, when you look at the third down rate, one of 16 on third down, and the one conversion came when basically Ohio State was playing off coverage and playing loose defense, already up two scores, and the game was basically decided. Um, there's, it, I, I don't want to say there's not much more to say because there is so much more to say about this offense and where these issues lie and, and the root of every, everything. But you know, when you're one of, one of 16 on third down on the road against a top five team, you're not going to win that game. Yeah, Johnny, how did they lose the game on third down? Let us count the ways. I mean, play calling, very much questionable. Game strategy, questionable for sure. Execution, questionable. And I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it because there, there's a lot of players on this offense that played meaningful roles down the stretch last year. Effort. To me, effort on third down also stood out to, stood out to me. In some of those games Penn State lost, even the, like the 2021 game out here that was 33-24, they gave it their best shot. They, they just weren't quite good enough. In 2019, when they lost 28-17 to Justin Fields and that group of wideouts, that defense gave it their best shot. Sean Clifford and, and Will Fries, uh, not Will Fries, uh, Will Levis gave it their best shot trying to run against that defense. I just, I, I did not, see, I, there was no sense of urgency. I just, they didn't look like they were on the same page. So, you know, it, Mike Yurcich, I didn't think have, had one of his better games, but you know, the, the position coaches, these guys did not, did not look ready to go on offense at all. They, they didn't. And you, you mentioned the position coaches. They have a role in this. The players have a role in this. Um, but I really put a lot of the blame at the feet of Mike Yurcich and the identity of this offense that we didn't see at all. Like through six games, the identity was, you know, string together drives, use the running game, get four or five, you know, chunk, you know, yards on the ground at a time, wear a defense down and take what the defense is giving you. And Yurcich really got away from that. I mean, you know, the, the, how many times does he want to call a Keandre Lambert Smith pass? Like, I just didn't understand the trick plays, the timing of it. Now, James Franklin said after the game that trick plays are one of those deals where when they work, you look brilliant. And when they don't, you, you don't look brilliant. Uh, Mike Yersich, I thought he was fine in the first quarter. And, and I say that primarily because they were the first field goal drive. They let Nick Singleton cook. You know, he had three carries for 42 yards. And then from that point forward, he had six carries the rest of the game, Bob. And, you know, when you're in a one score game and you're in a tight game, because 
despite the offensive ineptitude throughout the afternoon, it was a one-score game and a close game because of this defense and the way that they played. When you're in a one-score game like that and you're on the road, would it not make sense to lean on two of the best running backs, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country? And so uh, James Franklin said on Tuesday during his you know, uh, weekly press conference that he didn't think the run-pass split you know, was as bad as maybe he thought after the game when he said that uh, they, they could have ran the ball more. I push back on that a little bit because when Nick Singleton is only getting the ball six times in the run game after he did what he did against Ohio State's defense on that one drive, I just think that's like inexcusable uh, for an offensive coordinator and an offensive staff that spent the first half of the season establishing themselves as a grinded out kind of offense. Yeah, where I am, where I would spread it out around a little bit more is I look at it this way, Johnny. So. Uh, Ohio State doesn't have uh, Denzel Burke, their best corner. Um, and you know that you have to find a way to get 44 blocked, right? You, he's he's the guy, if you want to get Drew comfortable, he's the guy you got to account for. Whether he rushed from the, the left side, which I think he did in the, in the first half, and on the right side in the second half, he certainly rattled Drew's cage enough in this game that, that it surprised me. And I just... This wide receiver group, and it's not just it's not just the fact that I don't think Keandre is a number one receiver. He just isn't. I mean, it was that first game was great, but he is he's just not he is not a true number one. But none of these guys have have taken a step forward. It's just and so I just think that um, it 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 was it was a problem on Saturday, but really it's been a problem the whole first half of the season. And the offensive line just, I mean, 44, they, they had to have a plan for him. I think that might've limited Mike a little bit, but I just think a lot of these offensive coaches had a, had, had the whole off season, essentially Johnny to get ready for this game and to come out and lay that kind of an egg. I just, I mean, how much time do you need? I, I don't think the talent disparity was that great, but I am definitely concerned about this wideout group. Um, a couple of guys have just flat out vanished since the start of the season. And the guys that are on the field, I mean, if they don't get open underneath, they're not getting they're not getting beat deep. And also James talked about it. These guys don't run great routes. And sometimes they're blocking on pass plays and sometimes they're running routes on run. I just don't I don't I, I just can't believe that we're in late October and these guys are not on the same page. It's really I think it's a really, really bad sign. It's a it's an awful sign and this is something that We've talked about since spring camp. I mean, even, you know, really after the Rose Bowl when Devin Carter, uh, the NC State uh, wide receiver, committed to Penn State and then ultimately decommitted, you know, that's when the discussion started about the wide receiver room and about what they needed to add to this group when Mitchell Tinsley and Parker Washington were no longer walking through that door. It's a reason why Taylor Stubblefield was dismissed as a wide receivers coach because of the lack of the, you know, the five star, the blue chip kind of talent and really the development of the four stars that they've, that they've gotten over the years, the misses that they had in the transfer portal. There were a few guys that they wanted that they did not get, uh, who they ultimately got Dante Cephas, you know, the star wide receiver from Kent state who had, you know, 1900 yards over the last two seasons, uh, with the golden flashes. He has not translated at all. And, and you know, it's, it, it just hasn't been there. He hasn't really gotten on the field. I think he played three snaps up until really the the final two drives when they were they were in total catch up mode. Uh, Malik McLean had a nice week one, the transfer from Florida State. He had four catches, fifty eight yards, and a touchdown against West Virginia. Totally vanished uh, since then. And then even guys like you know Amari Evans, who I was I thought you know would show some promise and had a had a promising end to spring camp. 
he hasn't been seen. Uh, and Keandre Lambert-Smith and Harrison Wallace, I mean, I thought that Harrison Wallace coming back from injury would add more of a boost to this passing offense than it has. And you mentioned Keandre. He had a nice week one, a big play against West Virginia, a nice catch in the end zone against Iowa. This is nothing against him. I just think he is more of like a, a number two or number three receiver on a college football playoff caliber offense, you know, a team that is putting up you know 40 points, not just against UMass and Delaware, but against you know some of the top competition in college football. Uh, and he is a good receiver, but he is not a guy who can carry an offense. That, that's evident. And, and it's not just him, right? It's really the group as a whole. It's Marcus Hagan's Hagen's wide receivers coach. Uh, in his early development, uh, you know, developing these guys as a first year receivers coach in, in this program. Uh, and so, yeah, the wide receiver group is, is a real cause for concern. And it's tough because, you know, you had Caden Saunders, uh, coming out to speak to the media after the game, a, a, an Ohio native and a guy who caught a touchdown late in the game. So I think that's why he came out, but he has to answer for this group's deficiencies. You, you know, Drew Aller is up there crying basically at the podium, you know, wiping away tears having to answer for the offensive performance and putting the blame on himself. But, you know, we don't talk to Mike Yersich after games. And so we weren't able to ask Mike Yersich about the offense. And Drew is basically the face of this whole thing. And so, um, you know, these guys, there are guys who took accountability after this loss, even speaking to Caden Wallace uh, this morning, uh, took, you know, responsibility and said everyone in the program is taking accountability and responsibility uh, for the loss. And they got to move on. I mean, you know, it's tough. It's tough to move on, you know, when you have Indiana upcoming and, it's not like you have to turn your head and, and go play another top 25 team. You know, this, this loss can linger uh, in the back of their minds and they can still go ahead and beat Indiana. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a tough result. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's great that they say these things and kudos to them for saying it, but I don't want to say the, the words ring hollow, but I've heard, I've heard these words so many times after Ohio state games and a lot of Michigan games. And I, it just seems like, but then the same <laughs> The same thing keeps happening uh, 80% of the time, 90% of the time. So, um, you know, what, what What does it really mean when you say, yeah, we, we, uh, we, we we're wearing the blame hat? But I, it just seems to me, I don't know. The thing, the other thing that, I, that bugs me, Johnny, as we continue here on the Blue White Breakdown, is that I think you and I, we talked. I mean, I think everyone knew, look, this was going to be a defensive struggle. There were I, I did not have I did not have high hopes for Penn State's offense in this game. I did not. I I did believe in Ohio State's defense, which turned around turned around the Maryland game, which kept them in it against Notre Dame when Marvin Harrison was hurt and they were able to win a low scoring uh, game. I mean, I, I certainly knew they were for real, and I knew playing in Columbus was not going to be easy. Did not have high hopes for Penn State's offense, but but they 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 still under delivered, and it's just. Um, it, it's it's just really an indictment uh, on one side of the ball. It is the players, but I think it's it's a lot of coaches. And I just I, I really you know the Rose Bowl that went over Utah and that that five game winning streak to close twenty twenty two that seems to me like it's like ten years away now. It just seems like it's 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 so far back because this team. This team has not on that side of the ball taken a step forward, and we really didn't really get into. Singleton and Allen um, through seven games. It's just it's one of those things where um, I just don't know how much they're going to improve uh, in the final couple games of the regular season. It's great that they get Indiana. It's great that they get to host Rutgers. They get to go to Maryland, which, which they always seem to do well at Maryland. They still got to play Michigan. They get a down Michigan State team. So 
it could be a pretty unsightly 10 and 2 season. It, it really could, maybe even more unsightly than last year's team that got thumped by Michigan. Yeah, Bob. And it's one of those where, you know, we're, we're talking so much. We spent the first 15 minutes of this podcast talking about the offense and the deficiencies and things that we knew and things that we were concerned about. At the same time, you know, we both picked Penn State to win this game. Now, we both thought it would be low scoring and defensive struggles. And, you know, I thought the Penn State pass rush would ultimately win this game for Penn State. And, you know, when Chop Robinson goes out in the first half, that hurts a lot. But even still, Adisa Isaac was living in the backfield. Zane Durant did a good job. I thought tonight Dennis Sutton showed serious promise and flashes. But, you know, at, you know, we both thought it would be a defensive struggle. But, you know, when we were picking Penn State to win, we both think that Penn State's offense would at least do enough. And, I mean, they weren't even below average. Uh, they weren't even below average. And so even if they, you know, they, they, they held Ohio State to 20 points. They, you know, finally the dam broke at the end of the game, you know, when Marvin Harrison catches that drag route and gets in the end zone late, you know, in in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, the defense can only hold on so long. And when you're not converting third downs and you're not sustaining drives, not only does this defense have to go out and stop Ohio State and and stick with Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, all afternoon, but they got to do it a lot, you know, when you're not sustaining drives and giving them a break and not giving them a breather. I mean, they were exhausted. They had a fourth down stand, which was great, a phenomenal play by both. Jalen Reed and Zaki Wheatley to read uh, that out and stop it before they got in the end zone. Um, but time and time again, this Penn State defense, you know, gifted Penn State's offense an opportunity to show up. And, you know, it just you know, basically begging them, please, like, do something for us. You reciprocate a bit. And it just didn't happen. And so, uh, yeah, you talk about an unsightly 10 and 2 upcoming. Like, they have an opportunity against Michigan in a few weeks here. And, you know, we, we haven't seen Michigan play anyone yet. Now, every team that they do play, they're beating, you know, 52 to nothing or 49 to seven and uh, looks, you know, super convincing. And J.J. McCarthy, their quarterback right now, is the Heisman favorite, the Heisman betting favorite uh, for a reason. He's been, you know, uber efficient so far. Uh, that game, I'm, I'm interested to see how it turns out, but I'm really interested to see where this offense goes over the next two weeks. And do they let Drew Aller cook a little bit more and let him, you know, play out of structure and, uh, you know, just give him more to do because so far to this point, it's been check down, check down, check down. Let's not throw deep, uh, you know, take what the defense gives you. But clearly that, that will work against Illinois and against Northwestern and UMass and even West Virginia and Iowa. That, that didn't work against Ohio State and it's not going to work against Michigan either, unless you get a couple of defensive touchdowns, which Penn State almost had in this game, an unfortunate defensive holding penalty, which looking back on it looked looked like the right call, um, a matter of, of, of a second or two with that flag being thrown and Kyle McCord losing the ball thanks to Curtis Jacobs' the hustle play there. But, um, yeah, sometimes those games can be determined you know, by, by one or two plays. But uh, if you're a Penn State fan, you say, oh, if only we had that, we would have won. I don't know because you know the offense wasn't scoring any points. So um, yeah, a tough pill to swallow. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. John, let me ask you this. So James Franklin, uh, I think, was asked right off the bat by Rich Scarcella about um, the team's identity on offense and, you know, you know, and what kind of happened. Did, you, did, did they get away from it in the Ohio State game? James had, a, I thought, uh, I think I thought the answer was good. He talked about, but he went into he went into great length ab- uh, about what he he thinks the identity is and what it will probably continue to be, and that is, you know, play great defense, be very very efficient on offense, capitalize in short yarded situations, whether it's third down or even fourth down. You know, time of possession is your friend. If the quarterback is going to try and play mistake-free football in terms of turnovers, which he has through seven games, you know, all of that kind of makes sense. My question to you is, though, as you and I watch the Ohio State game unfold, um, I do. And I I was kind of taken by how upset Drew was after the game. Uh, Genuine emotion, a young kid who really. That was that was really his first experience. That was that just was nasty, right? He has never really been in that position. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, right? I just thought one thing that stuck stuck out to me uh, with the offense is I think there were a handful of times whether whether or not uh, James Franklin uh, made a note of it or not. I thought there were a couple of times in that game whether it would have been a scramble or whether it would have been instead of giving the ball to one of the running backs, keep the ball and skirt around right in. I thought he had room to run maybe four or five times, and it doesn't sound like much, but when you're that bad on third down and the defense is getting more and more dejected by the possession, I think you know it only takes one or two of those plays to kind of maybe get Ohio State thinking how to defend differently if they got to honor that. I guess what I'm saying, Johnny, is I do think now, after watching this game, I do think that James Franklin and Mike Yersich have to find a way to incorporate Bo Prabula into the offense. I'm not saying give him a whole quarter, but I'm saying he is a, he's a legitimately a running threat and he is a better running threat than Drew in short yardage. I'm just wondering why they would hold off now on maybe not maybe not not folding him into the short yardage package because I think that is their identity. I think that's how they're going to have to win. If they play if they play uh Michigan tough, they're going to have to be way better in short yardage and he could be a part of that because I do think um he's quick enough but he's also tough enough where he can make some plays. And if it's third and three, um, he can run it twice and probably get a first down. What are your thoughts on maybe just him? It's not the Will Levis role from 2020, the COVID year, but do they need to think about using him? Yeah, I think they need to think about using him. And I think he does bring obviously a different dimension to this offense, a different skill set. Uh, we've seen it in, you know, whether that's garbage time or, you know, primarily garbage time, but even when they, they leave the first team, uh, offense out there with him for a series or two in a game you know he's shown that um my my only thing is you know, with the people calling for Bo, and, and again i get it and and seeing drew you know on a read option just you know have the entire right side of the field to him and he just doesn't keep it uh that's something he needs to do he needs to keep it once or twice to keep a defense honest um if that's the play call the, the only thing is you know with the identity and the short you know short um you know third downs and all that 
they didn't they just didn't have short third downs in this game. I mean, the average distance to go on third down for this team was seven and a half yards. So when you're facing, you know, third and seven or third and eight or third and nine, they had some third and 15 sprinkled in there. Uh, you know, as, as much as may, maybe use Bell on earlier downs just to like shorten that a little bit for you and, and, you know, get your offense to be in a more flexible spot in a third and three, you know, say. Um, and when those opportunities do present themselves on third and short, yeah, I do think he can bring a different element and, you know, to keep moving the chains and all that. But I, I think a lot of the, you know, the, the early, you know, first and second down passes, when you've got Nick Singleton in the backfield there, you've got Katron Allen, who's his MO is getting hard yards and running through people. You're setting your offense up for failure when you're you know, putting them in third and eights and third and nines. And, and that's the play calling for me. Um, and so I, it's a, yeah, there are different, it's not just one thing, right? Like there, there are several different things that go into this. The blocking needs to be better. Uh, they could use the tight ends more. You know, we saw on one drive where one of the, the second field goal drive, uh, that Theo Johnson had a 34 yard catch. And right before that, Tyler Warren had a 12 yard gain that he lowered his shoulder on and got a first down. And then those guys were like nowhere to be seen at all. Um, I think Theo actually ended up having a, you know, a handful of targets in this game, but, uh, really just not, you know, it's, it just didn't connect. Right. And so I think using the tight ends more, both in the running game and the passing game, uh, you mentioned JT Tuimolo out number 44 earlier. Uh, yeah, he went up against Caden Wallace on the right side in the, in the first half. In the second half, he was pretty much exclusively on Olu or at least had, had a handful of snaps against Olu. I thought JT and Olu, like both, you know, they kind of traded snaps, uh, in, you know, in terms of reps, uh, who won and who didn't, but JT came up big, uh, down the stretch when Penn State wasn't obvious passing situations. Um, yeah, I, I just think this offense just has a lot of warts right now, warts that we knew about and, it's going to be a tough fix. You know, this is not something that this is an offense and an identity that you build over the course of months, you know, from spring camp over in the summer, August training camp. And then throughout the first half of the season, I just don't think you go ahead and flip something on its head and can really change something as we're approaching November here, Bob. And I, this, it might be is what it is, which is unfortunate uh, for this defense, you know, a defense that could be the best in the country right now. Yeah. Um, I guess I, so I guess Johnny, we should probably, Stop belaboring this point about the Ohio State. Let's just let's just move it forward here for a minute or two. Um, I know you asked James about Chop Robinson. That was a scary sight on the field when he went down. We still don't know. We have a pretty good idea what probably happened, but we're not doctors. You did ask him about Chop. Uh, why don't you give an update on Chop? But also, was there anything else maybe that stuck out to you about what James was asked about? Yeah, I mean, primarily, I, I thought the, the big the big thing coming from the press conference was, yeah, there was a lot of Ohio State talk, but uh, Chop Robinson specifically, someone that we didn't get to ask James after the game uh, about because the press conference, I think, was about nine minutes long, and and there were so many other things we had to ask. But uh, Chop Robinson, who went down in the second quarter, ultimately had to be carted off the field. Uh, I, they might have gone to commercial break, uh, but... You know, he was down on, on his stomach and then they, it took him a while to get him onto his back and then ultimately on his feet, uh, walking off the field with the trainer and Theo Johnson after what seemed like a helmet to helmet collision, uh, with an offensive lineman for Ohio State. Uh, James, who, you know, does not speak about injuries for the most part unless they are season ending. Uh, he said that he does not expect this to be a season ending injury, which is great news for obviously Chopper Robinson, but also Penn State's 
uh, pass rush. You know, James said, from what I understand, what I see, and what I know, I don't see this being a long term issue. What the issue is specifically, again, you mentioned it, we're not doctors, we don't know. Um, and, and James wouldn't tell us anyway. So, uh, it, it's one of those where it's seem- seemingly week by week. Uh, will he play this weekend against Indiana? We don't know. If he doesn't, you know, it's going to be Adisa Isaac and deny Dennis Sutton off the edges for both, uh, you know, starting roles. And then, you know, me and Vanover also got hurt in the Ohio State game. We're not sure of his status, but, you know, Zariah Fisher, maybe Jamel Lyons ends up burning his red shirt as a true freshman. There's something to keep an eye on here as Penn State prepares to play Indiana and then at Maryland before the Michigan game. Yeah, um, and I just, you know, I, I, I know that the fans are not going to be super excited about what they see Saturday against the Hoosiers that are 2-5, and five and they, they've just gotten smoked in Big Ten play. It's, it's a program that is, you know, it's, you know, we, you know it, that 2020 story was really nice with Michael Penix in there, who's now a Heisman candidate out of Washington, but they're just, they've just regressed badly. It's a tough place to try and win in the Big Ten, especially, especially in the Big Ten East, right? So whatever happens on Saturday, I, I, I would take it, I would say we, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I just am going to be really curious uh, to see a couple of things. I just wanted to touch on one thing that I think can be a positive, not, not so, I mean, it, it will be a positive against Indiana, but other than one play, I thought Penn State special teams were pretty good against Ohio State. Falcons made two kicks. I think they were 40 and 41 yards. They were, when he made them, they, they, they were big kicks. Um, Riley, Riley Thompson, I thought did a great job hemming in Ohio State's offense with his punting. I think he averaged 44 yards on nine punts, but they were backed up quite a bit. Daquan Hardy at punt returner did have a nice 15-yard return. He did make a – I don't know that he made a mistake because he talked about it afterwards in case Penn State fans are wondering what the heck happened. But Penn State had a chance in the second half to get the ball around midfield. Um, they had pinned Ohio State uh, pretty deep. And the it, the wind caught the ball, according to Daquan Hardy. He, instead of catching it, he let it drop. I, th- I think it ended up going 72 yards back to the 24 that was kind of a huge play in the game. I do think, though, moving forward, um, him as a punt returner and just a specialist, I think I feel I feel I didn't feel bad about special teams, Johnny, but I feel a lot better about special teams. And that could come up that could that could come in, in <laughs> that could come into play against Maryland. Right. Because that's a big game and also against Michigan. So instead of them being just solely about defense at this stage, I think their kicking game has gotten better. And I think that's too uh, facets of the game they can hang their hat on. What Johnny, the question is going to be just what should be the expectation for this offense, not Saturday, but in two weeks at Maryland and then the game against Michigan. And can they do anything to kind of help those other two uh, parts of the game? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Riley Thompson, FAU uh, punter transfer and Alex Falcons, the walk-on transfer uh, kicker from Columbia. Those were the two biggest impact, uh, you know, preseason transfers that Penn State got, uh, which good for those guys. But again, talking about the offense, I think it's pretty damning. You know, the fact that you, you don't have Dante Cephas really out there, you don't have Malik McLean out there. You know, Trey Potts, who had been a spark, you know, for this offense, we gave him his flowers earlier in the season. But you know, he, he you know, within that within that role, you don't really expect him to come in and take over reps uh, for Nick or Catron. And if he did, he probably wouldn't have gotten the ball anyway uh, because of, because they just weren't running the ball. Um, just, just one more point I want to hammer home about this defense, you know, about the defense. I, I wrote it on Sunday, you know, looking back at the game and rewatching it. Uh, I mentioned the pass rush and Zaki and Jalen's play on the goal line, but 
you know, I thought, you know, Caitlin King didn't have his best stuff, but, you know, again, you're going to get beat by Marvin Harrison Jr. There are going to be NFL corners that got beat by him for years to come. Uh, but I thought, I thought Johnny Dixon played really well. I thought he hung with Marvin. You know, he had a, a corner sack earlier in the game. Uh, the linebackers, Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs, each had nine tackles. Like, you know, again, not only did Ohio State only, you know, score 20 points, they were only six of 16 on third down. Uh, which isn't great by Ohio State standards. I think their running backs averaged two and a half yards a carry. Uh, and, you know, Ohio State ran the ball 33 times with the running backs to keep Penn State, Penn State's defense honest, at least. Uh, but I thought this defense just, you know, Manny Diaz and this group, you know, Deion Barnes and, and everyone on that staff and everyone in that position room, you know, player wise, coach wise, I just thought it was a really good game plan overall. I thought they did their job. And, you know, it's a shame that they didn't get rewarded with a win. Um, but you know, this, this unit is going to continue to carry this team uh, and not only eat alive, you know, the, the Indianas and, and the Rutgers, even the Rutgers, Rutgers, boiled. Um, you know, I, I think that if they're going to beat Michigan, it's going to be the defense. It's going to have to do it. And so we'll see in a few weeks, uh, what this, what this, you know, defense can really do again for the offense, which I, 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 you know, I don't want to be too doom and gloom, but I, I just don't see where the, the massive improvement is going to come. You know, maybe they shocked me. Uh, they su- they surprised me in, in a bad way on Saturday. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it has to be massive, Johnny. Honestly, it was so it was so poor. I just think if they can get back to if they, Johnny, if they can be twenty five percent better than what we saw in Columbus at home, I think I think that's a lot. And uh, and what I what I would I would just add to what you, your thoughts on the defense a thousand percent agree. Um, I hope they just realized there were so many NFL scouts at that game that even though they have to live with the L, um, a lot, a lot of pro and uh, pro personnel people, a lot of scouts now know just how good this Penn State defense is. And I think the guys that the guys that really delivered for the defense, I think they're going to be rewarded in the future. And if nothing else. If I was them, I'd be happy about that because I think that is that is something um, they can build upon, and they're going to get they're going to get two more opportunities to show what they can do at Maryland and and against Michigan. Um, and I and I just think that you know there is still a lot of football ahead for this football program, but it, it, it really does become the question becomes Johnny, what can Penn State do offensively to help this one of the best defenses in the last twenty five years at Penn State because. They kind of they kind of just help. They hung them out to dry, and I think if you're an offensive player at Penn State, you really kind of have to look yourself in the mirror. And I think the coaching staff on the offensive side does as well. Yeah, and just to put you know kind of a bow on this, it's yeah a, a lot of a lot of negative towards the offense, which is understandable. Yeah, you know, this team is seven and or excuse me six and one. Uh, they've got a lot of football ahead of them. You know, Caden Wallace talked about that on Tuesday. You know, Drew Aller when he was, you know, wiping his tears. I, I felt so. I really did feel bad for him. Like I'm, I was, you know, I asked him how he felt he played, and he just said sucked. And he put so much of the blame on himself. And I do think that he has a bright future, and he's going to turn it around and, and play better against Ohio State, you know, next year, and uh, possibly even Michigan uh, this year if he gets some help. But you know, they're they're the season isn't over. And you know, Drew said that the last time he felt the way he did after Saturday's game was when, you know, his team, his high school team in Medina, Ohio, lost in the state playoffs his senior year because the season was over. The flip side is the season isn't over. And so they've they've got time to sort this out. They've got Indiana upcoming. Maryland at at Maryland will be a, a test. 
Uh, we saw Maryland hung with, with Ohio State for a minute. Um, and, and they've got Michigan and, you know, they, they have to, the players and coaches have to look at these games as opportunities, especially the, the Michigan game. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is, there are opportunities ahead. Let's put it that way. Um, there is understandable doom and gloom and frustration and questions and disappointment from this Ohio State game, but the season isn't over and, and we'll see what they got over the next, uh, over the next five games, Bob. All right, Johnny, I'm going to let you go. It's Tuesday. I won't say anything else, but I know you have a busy Tuesday night scheduled. I'm not going to say anything else. Um, and I hope that uh, your Tuesday – I hope your Tuesday night goes 180 degrees differently than Penn State Saturday afternoon in Columbus. Let's. How about if I just say that to you? Go Phils. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>